alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin and lost without hope with no place to begin and your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began Dash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my orphan heart was given a name. And my morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. And when death was arrested, my life began. Sing, oh, your grace. And oh, your grace, so free. He washes over me You have made me new Now life begins with you Release from my chains I'm a prisoner no more And my shame was a ransom He faithfully bore Cancel my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested, my life began. And oh, your grace is so free, it washes over me. You have made me. Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with the freedom in hell. That's when death was arrested and my life began. She's over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. And it's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. Father, God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for the joy and the privilege that it is to gather together in your house. God, to worship you through music. God, to worship you through the preaching of your word. God, to worship you through the opportunity to give back to you because you've given us so much. And Lord, I pray this morning you would be worshiped. Father, help us be reminded of what it is you've done for us. God, and help us glory in the fact that you loved us so much to send your son. 
Lord, we love you, but we thank you so much for first of all loving us. Let's call this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. I want to thank you so much for being here this morning at First Rustin. Uh, if you are a visitor with us this morning, we're glad that you chose to come and be a part of our service. Our goal and our mission here at First Rustin is to love, win, and grow Rustin and the world for Jesus Christ. And we hope that you would partner with us in being able to do that. Y'all, Psalm 111 says this. It, it starts by telling us to praise the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord. And verse 2 says, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. And my challenge to you this morning is let's praise the Lord, let's give thanks to the Lord, and let's be among those who delight in what God has done for us through the music, through the message, and through our giving. Thank you so much again for being here this morning. Now, if you would, take a second, stand, greet the people around you, and let's continue to worship together. Sins are true, and you're faithful. You cover all my sin with forgiveness. My eyes have seen your ways and your goodness. Love and faithfulness me, me before your glory. Righteousness and peace kiss Heaven's all around us A spring of a well Living water rise within us Spring of a well Holy Spirit deep within us Rise, rise, rise Promises are true, and you're faithful. You cover all my sin with forgiveness. My eyes have seen your ways and your goodness. Love and faithfulness me, we behold your glory, righteousness and Heaven's all around us A spring of hope Spring up a well, a spring. 
again, church, oh precious. And oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other bounds I know. Nothing but the When the heart is hard to fight Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning And I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters And holding back the sea And should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire All my death ever dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore And should I fall in the space between What remains of me and this reckoning Either way I won't bow to the things of this world Sing a sound I know I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters And holding back the seeds And should I ever need reminding What power set me free There is a grave that holds nobody
ask you as we look into the Bible, God, I ask you to use me, speak to our hearts, and God, you know there's there's folks out here that need a specific message and direction. Give that to them, God, and give us all the strength and the courage to obey you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you give the band a hand for a great job? I would ask you to pray for our youth. Uh, I don't know if Merrick mentioned this in his welcome, but we have uh, some of our youth are still here, but about 70 who would be sitting in this area left right after the early service uh, with some adults, thank God, with adults to go to North Carolina. So they're going to be on the road to about uh, 10 or 12 hours today. Pray for them. And we had a lot of them in our depot service, our early service over at the depot. So it's great to see you here and it's pray for them. Everybody doing well? Okay, well, that's kind of weak, but hopefully you'll be better in just a few minutes. Better or worse, one way or the other. We've been talking about wisdom. We started this sermon series out of Proverbs in January of 2010. And uh, y'all didn't get that? We started in January of this year. It's just gone on longer than we thought it would be. And the last few weeks we've been talking about, we've been bringing it together, getting a doctor's degree in wisdom if you do these things in Proverbs 3. When I, when I graduated with my doctor's degree in theology, the, uh, if you've been to tech to a graduation, you've seen this. They, they'll have the bachelor's degree people come forth, and then the master's degree, and then the doctor's degree. I think there was 12 of us who were getting our doctor's degree that day. And when, when you get a doctor's degree, they hood you, not not you, they hood you. They, they put a little hood on for its different colors, depending on what your academic discipline is. The, uh, theology is scarlet, and so this is the way they were going to do it. They were going to have us come and kneel. They had a kneeler. You were going to kneel down. 
They were going to take a picture of you while these two guys put the hood on you. Then the two professors were going to pat you, and then you were going to ease off the stage. I'm the first one, God forbid. It was not done by academic rank. It was done by alphabetical order. Did you get that? And so I get down there, and I kneel down. I'm still wondering, are they going to pull me, and I'm not going to get to graduate. But I kneel down. And the, they, they put this hood on me, and the guy flashes the camera, and the cam- it doesn't take. The picture doesn't take. I see it. The, the photographer knows it. The two professors don't see that. And so after a minute, they start patting me. You know, they're trying to be Christian because everybody's looking at them. And get up, and, and I can't get up because the photographer's looked at me, and he said, wait. So he's doing all this. After about four pats, then they start begin to try to gently lift me off the stage. And I think when they finally got the picture, I was literally like this. So I have no idea where that picture is. I don't care. I walked out of that place with my diploma. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Amen. That's the goal. Proverbs 3, 5. We talked about in Proverbs, excuse, Proverbs 3, 6, we talked about Man, the doctor's degree in wisdom, you know God's word, verse 1 and 2, you obey it, you love people, you're loyal. Last week, you trust God, and this week, verse 6, verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. And that's the ESV, English Standard. The New Living Translation says it very well, too. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Listen, a doctor's degree in wisdom, you've got to hear what God's telling you, and you've got to obey God. I think you would agree with me, many of you would, what causes as much anxiety and insomnia as anything else is decision-making, when you've got decisions to make. What do I do? Where do I go? Where do I move? What, you know, what, what's next? Because it's so important. In fact, I think as a Christian, not as a pastor, but as a Christian, after my personal Bible study and prayer time, the, the, probably the next thing is decision-making, hearing God, and as a pastor for the church, hearing God and making right choices. I want to share with you two quotes. These are certainly not original with me, but they're really, really good. Number one, choices, not chance, determine your destiny. Now, certainly there are things that can, that can happen that are outside your control that affect you, but ultimately, day in and day out, listen, Listen, and I don't mean this in an ugly way, but losers blame everybody but themselves for what's going on in their life. Wise people know that the choices and decisions you make are going to determine, that's the main determining factor in your life. Here's another quote that's really good. You you make your choices and then your choices make you. You don't believe me? Let me give you an example. Go home this next month, the month of June, and eat a gallon of Bluebell every night. Make that choice. I'm going to tell you, by July, you're going to be chubbier, aren't you? Your pants aren't going to fit well because you made those choices, and those choices made your britches. Amen? Isn't that the truth? That's exactly right. Plus, you're going to have diabetes too. But you make your choices. And your choices make you. So, man, here's the question. How do we make the right decisions? If our decisions are so important, listen, you can, you can disagree with me on that, and I'm not right on a lot of things. I'm right on this. Your decisions are huge. How do we make the right decisions? Do many of you or any of you know the name Yogi Berra? Not Yogi Berra, Yoga Be- Yogi Berra. He was a professional baseball player, obviously by the New York Yankees uniform. He was a great catcher. He was a great manager. He was also known for verbally being goofy. And he made this statement one time. He said, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. Do you see something weird with that? The decision, you, you want to know which fork to take. Yogi says, take it. That's not helpful at all. Brian Tracy, who is a very successful businessman, and he moved into motivational speaking and writing. Listen to what he said. He said, in his calculation, 70% of the decisions we make are wrong. Wow. I need to go back and research his research on that. But let's just say, cut that in half, 35 percent of our decisions are wrong. How do we make the right decisions? I believe it starts with God, and I believe in Proverbs 3, 6 gives us a great, great answer to this. Number one, it starts with knowing God personally. Now, listen, this is a step we skip. Even pastors skip it. We skip, how do you know God's will? It starts, it starts with knowing God personally. We miss this. We treat God like Santa Claus. When we need something, we go to him. We want something. 
We get in a bind. We ask him for help, and God wants you to ask him for help and reach out to him. We treat God like a fortune teller. We don't follow him. We don't put him first. Then we have a big decision, and it's like we want to go to God and, and stick out our palm and say, God, read it. I'll even put something in the offering plate this week. Tell me what to do. It doesn't work that way. God operates in your life and my life from our relationship with him. This is huge. Look in verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Almost all the words in this passage are very important. All literally means every, every area of your life. And that word way means your course or your journey, your pathway. Acknowledge him. Now, sometimes we might read this and say, well, acknowledge. I, I acknowledged 10 people this morning. I said, hello. I nodded to them. That, and that's what we do to God. We acknowledge. Hey, God, how's it going? Good to see you. See you next week. Maybe not next week, but we'll see you again in July. We're all good. The word acknowledge, if you're taking notes, man, write this down because this is gigantic. This is so huge. It means to know someone. It means to respect someone out of understanding. See, if you're a decent person, you show respect to people. But there are people that you respect who you know because you know who they are. It's to, listen, to acknowledge means to know personally. It's to know relationally. The, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and this Hebrew word acknowledge, in other places in the Old Testament, listen, it is used to talk about sexual intimacy. There's not anything weird in this passage here, but here's the, here's the application of this. When God says, I want you to acknowledge me, he's not saying, give me a thumbs up, wave at me, whatever. God's saying to acknowledge me means you know me deeply, personally, and intimately. You have a relationship with me. You want to make great decisions? God doesn't just doyle those out. It comes from knowing him personally. I want to ask you, do you know God personally? How do you know God personally? John 14, 6, Jesus lays out the fundamentals. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Here's what Jesus said. If you want to know God, you want to be intimate with me, you give your life to me. That's where it begins. Becoming a Christian is not joining a club and just getting sprinkled or baptized. Becoming a Christian is surrendering your life to Christ and entering into an intimate relationship with him. Now, I want to read to you a passage out of 1 Corinthians. It explains why some of us don't hear God very well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For who knows a person's thoughts? He's talking about how can we know God's thoughts? Except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We have this spirit in us if we belong to God. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we can teach these in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. Now, look at this last verse. The natural person, that's the person who does not know God, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, this is one reason some people read the Bible and go, man, it doesn't make sense. That's dull. That's flat. They don't know God. When you get the Holy Spirit in you, he enables you not to understand. You can't go home and read Revelation today and you got it all figured out. That's not what he's saying. But he enlightens the Bible to us. He, the Spirit of God's in you to speak to you. In John eight forty seven, man, boy, this is a powerful verse. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear God is that you don't belong to God. Years ago in a Bible study... We read this verse, and the lady with tears in her eyes said, I've never heard God. Listen, God says, you, you don't hear me because you haven't acknowledged me. So the, 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 the most fundamental place that's easy to miss right off the bat, God says, if you want my direction, and I want to give it to you, my direction is perfect for you, it starts with you acknowledging me and having a personal relationship with me. Here's the second thing, and these all go together. You have to stay close to God. You have to stay close to God. 
In verse 6, the, the wording is continual, present tense and ongoing. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths, plural, what, what lies ahead of you. Listen, some of us are Christians today, but you hadn't heard God in a long time, or you're not in a position to hear God because you're not close enough to God. You can remedy that this morning. That's what's so cool about this. How many of you have a little bit of hearing loss? Any of you, you, you guys in the first service, we had older men, you know, we all do. Most older men are getting hearing loss, or we use that as an excuse. You know, why didn't you clean the kitchen? I, I just didn't hear you, honey. I would have done it. I'd have loved to do it. My mother and my wife's developing this characteristic. I don't know, I don't know if hearing loss is a man thing and, and low talking is a woman thing. I, I'm not accusing, I'm just, my women in my world, this has happened. My mother was infamous for this. If she would be in another part of the house telling you something, and you could hear a, a mumble, and then 10 minutes later, she's wondering why you didn't come up there and finish the dishes or take care of something. Mama, I didn't hear you. And again, my wife is starting to do this, or either my hair's going bad. You, you, you know what the problem is? The problem may be hearing aids may help, but proximity. You have to be close enough to someone to, to hear them. Would you agree with that? You have to. You have to. If God whispers in your ear this morning, are you close enough to him to hear it? See, some of us, man, we need direction. Or right now, man, everything in your life is rolling great, and it's going to fall completely apart in six months, and you're going to be begging God to show you what to do. And he's going to want to, but he's not going to show you on your terms. He's going to show you on his terms, and you better cuddle up to God if you want to hear what God has to say. We have to be close to him. Number three, again, these go together. You've got to be growing in your relationship with God. You continual growth in your relationship with God is key to hearing him. You go, I want to hear God better. That's, if that's you, that is so awesome. I hate to say practice makes perfect, but man, repetition and, and, and their closeness to God is a key through the years as you grow in your relationship with God. How many of you have ever taken a foreign language? How many of you still remember any of that language at all? Some of you do, but a lot of us, you don't because you, you didn't immerse yourself into it. And, and I heard Charles Stanley, pastor at First Baptist Atlanta, say this years ago. He said, to learn a foreign language, you understand it better the more you listen to it, the more you hear it. Right, Leoshin? You got to hear it. You got to be immersed in it. You got to read it. And, and the more you familiarize yourself with the speakers of that language, the better you understand it. God is the same way. Listen, if you're not a Christian, God's speaking a foreign language is what he says, a spiritual language. And that's why a lot of it doesn't make sense. And then when you become a Christian, it's a new language. The closer you get to God, the better you understand God. There's people in your lives right now that you, more than anybody else, can understand them. They can tell you something's wrong, everything's okay, and you know it's wrong because you know them. You know their nuances and how they speak. The closer you get to God and the more you grow in your relationship with God, the better you will hear. Now, here's a fourth thing that goes with this. From this relationship with God, you seek him about your choices. You always seek God about your choices. We saw this from a, it was in a church in France. I thought it was funny. It was supposedly on a, a, the wall in a church in France. When you enter this church, it may be possible that you hear the call of God. However, it is unlikely that he will call you on your mobile phone. Thank you for turning off your phones. If you want to talk to God, enter, choose a quiet place and talk to him. If you want to see God, send him a text while you are driving. Our passage says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The New Living Translation gives a little different but a correct twist to it. Seek his will in all you do. I want to ask you this morning, how, how, how diligent are you and seeking God about your decisions. Here's what a lot of us do. We make up our mind, and then we go to God, ask him to bless it, don't we? Or, like when I had teenagers, I'll use my teenagers, they would come to me with all their plans prepared for the weekend and expect me to rubber stamp it, right? 
And when I would say no, then I never listened to him. I never let him do anything, whatever, whatever. See, we do that with God. We have it all figured out, and then we want God to say yes. I want to challenge you to back that up and go to God and get God's direction. But, man, seek God about your life. Seek God in every decision of your life. Now, don't be silly. You go to eat today and you get a burger. Don't spend 10 minutes praying over ketchup and mayonnaise. Good Christians use both, so just dump them both on there with salt and cheese, and then it'll be great. Don't be silly, but, but man, seek God about the decisions of your life. Here's the fifth part of this. Stay chained to your Bible. Listen, we're losing this in churches. We're losing this as Christians. I want God to speak to me that I must stay chained to God's Word. I won't read verse th- uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the start of this, but it, it says, know the teachings of God, know the Torah, the law of God, know the doctrine and the Word of God, and obey it. Folks, l- this is really, really important. Who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible. It's what we believe. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says this, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training and righteousness. God wrote the Bible. If God wrote the Bible, is God going to tell you to do anything against the Bible? No, he is not. He's not. And, and this is, man, I'm telling you, we hear this all the time. I, I mentioned in our first service an, uh, an actress, young actress, who when she was 12 years old said she became a Christian. She uses the word a born-again Christian. Devout for five years. When she was 17, she went off to an arts camp with a lot of actors and actresses and singers, and I'm sure it was wonderful, but it turned her upside down spiritually. And she left from that art camp at 17, and she said, you know, the Christian way and the Bible, all that can't be true. There's no way that people are going to hell just because they reject Jesus or they don't want to do this lifestyle or this lifestyle. That's not true. God is love, and people can do whatever they want. You know what? People can do whatever they want, but don't say it's acceptable to God. People can do whatever they want. God's given us that freedom, but it's not acceptable to God. As a pastor, it's not uncommon for people to to come to me and say, God told me this, God told me that. And and a lot of times, you can't argue with that, can you? It's pretty hard to when they come and tell you something. A lot of times they say something like that, and they have something really silly to say after that. Know your Bible, read your Bible, understand your Bible. Does God speak outside of the Bible? I believe he does. We'll see in a moment, but he never speaks contrary to to the Bible. It's the foundation, guys. It's the boundaries uh, uh, for us. And here's the last part of this. Pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. So I want God to speak to me. It comes from my relationship with him first and foremost. I'm, I'm growing. I'm close to him. I can hear God's whisper. God's going to speak through the Bible, so I read my Bible. I know my Bible. And, and, but what do I do when the Bible's not clear on something? There's a couple ideas out there. Some people say, if the Bible's not clear, do as you wish. I, I don't believe that. He says here, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Not in, not in just ways that the Bible says. It says, in all your ways. Philippians 4, 6, one of the most beloved passages in the Bible, says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Read that with me. Pray about everything. God, if God wants me to pray about it, God has an interest in the decisions that I make. There is a theological belief called cessationism. It comes from the word cease. And a cessationist believes that when the first century ended, when the Bible was fully written, that God doesn't speak anymore and that miracles don't happen anymore. That's not what we believe here at First Baptist. We do believe that the Bible is our boundaries, but listen, the Bible gives great boundaries and very clear directions about a lot of things, but some things the Bible doesn't give clear direction. I'm not one of those that believe God just says, then go do what you want. Let's take two things, your career or your single, your dating life. The Bible is clear if you're single, you're supposed to date a Christian. You're supposed to date and marry a committed Christian. I didn't get married till I was 35. I went on a lot of dates in my life. Some of them were committed Christians. Some of them probably weren't. But listen, people can play the game and say the words, but you know who knows the score? The Holy Spirit knows the score. What about jobs? 
there's certain things that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't ever come to your parents or your pastor or your church and say, God is leading me to be a Christian meth dealer. He's not. He's not. Pharmaceutical sales, maybe. Christian meth, never. God's leading me to be a porn dealer. We're going to just open up a Christian porn shop down here. No, he's not. Can somebody say amen? Thank you. That's the best y'all been all day. But what about, what, what if you're offered a job? It's a great job. It's moral. It's legal. It's ethical. You're offered one over here. What I found in my life is that God has a will for my life, and he does for you. How do you discern that from the Holy Spirit? You pray and you listen. You get your heart in neutral. That means you'll do whatever God tells you to do. And here's what I found. If you write this verse down, Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The word rule literally means umpire in your heart. And what I have found, I've preached whole sermons on this, so it's hard just to bring it down to about 30 seconds. But as you pray about something sincerely, willing to do whatever God says, that over time you will have a peace about one direction and an uneasiness about the other. And I promise you, I know this from personal experience, anytime I have violated and gone against, I felt uneasy, but I, went, I still went ahead and did it anyway, it always went horrible. A hundred percent of the time, you pray, you listen, and you follow the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the great news when we put it all together. Knowing and following God continually. We know God. We grow in this. We're following God. This is how you earn a doctor's degree in wisdom. Man, you put that loving God, loving his word, loving people, trusting God, humility. And then look again at verse 6 one more time with me. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Leave the verse there just for a minute, Jamie, if you would. That word path, again, means your journey, means your highway, your life, what you're on. But, man, this word straight is such a beautiful word. Listen to what it means. It means that God will direct you. It means God clears the path. It means God will give you safe travels. I love this. It means that God will bring you to the appointed goal. Man, get a hold of what this verse is saying. You know me, live for me, follow me. I'm going to show you the direction. If you'll man up or woman up and you will obey me, I will clear the path. I will make the path smooth enough for you to make it through. I'll be holding your hand all the way. I'll go in front of you. I'll be behind you. I'll be the right of you, be left of you. And any giant you face, I can whip them every day of the week. I'll hold your hand, and I'm going to get you to the right place and the perfect place as the end result. You can't beat that, can you? Now, I'm going to tell you this. This is very important. You start following God. A lot of times on the front end, it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to break up with that person. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to switch careers. You're going to have to explain some things to people. But boy, you follow God. Here's what happens. The back end of it, it's smooth and it's good. Flip side of that, you say, I'm not going to obey God. I know what God's leading me to do. I'm not going to do it. It's easy. You get to stay in that relationship you're not supposed to be in. You get to stay in that job or that career or that place you're not supposed to be. But then as the months go by, boy, oh, boy, does it become tough. You see, following God is tough on the front end, and it's smooth and easy when you get to your destination. Not following God is easy on the front end, and it's really tough on the back end. You see, you follow God, you're going to go through the storms. That's part of the devil attacking you, God allowing it to happen to test you. But God's going to be with you through the storms, and God's going to get you to that right place at the end of the journey. My dad was the guy who tried to follow God, and, and, and I got him this little plaque. He died. I got it back. But listen to what it says. It uses the word man. It could be gender neutral, obviously, man, woman, person, young person, who follows God always gets to their destination. The man, the woman, the young person, the teenager, the college student, the senior adult who follows God 
always, listen, always, always, always gets to the right destination, the proper destination, the place God wants them to be, and listen, the place of joy, effectiveness, and peace. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I'm going to clear the path, and I will take you to where you need to be and where you ultimately will want to be. See, the question's not God. The question's you and me. Will we acknowledge and follow him? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, some of you may have some things right now you really need to do business with God about. I pray you will. I know there's people here, people listening online who aren't Christians. I want to I wanna challenge you today to give your life to Christ. This is the beginning of that acknowledging him. And if you're ready to do that, pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and you arose for me. Come into my heart this morning. And I surrender my life to you.